and welcome to the eighth episode of the Copcast podcast on Cop Left. Tonight we come to you after a somewhat uh, sobering result at the weekend as Liverpool lost 2 0 to the might of Burnley. Joining me tonight are three of our regulars. We've got often host and sometime guest Dave Caron. How are you doing, Dave? Oh, I don't know. Not not great. A, a sobering result. I think it's more one drive you to drink, mate, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't take much to do that, to be no. fair. <laughs> Depressing. Uh, yeah. Joining Dave uh, is Carly Murray. How are you doing, Carly? Hi, Neil. Yeah, this this pod should be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I guess the the how are you questions a bit of a daft one. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> She's goddamn pissed off. That's what she is. <laughs> On a scale yeah. of one to ten, how depressed are you? Fifteen. Okay, I think we can all kind of go along with that. And Umara, you're joining us as well. So are you you in the same boat? Yeah, kind of. I'm I'm kind of coming to terms with it. I'm hoping for a good win tomorrow to sort of get rid of the the bad vibes. Okay, good. So we're going through the five step theory. Nice one. <laughs> okay, so we're just kind of this is going to be a bit of a free one. We're just we're just really going to get into it because there are many many issues to discuss. So. I'll start with Dave. Thoughts on the game, Dave? Well, I think probably Burnley would have settled for a nil-nil at the start of it, Neil, and all their Christmases came at once. You know, with 81% of the possession, I think that's a new record for a losing team in the Premier League. They had three shots, two of which they scored from. We had 26. You know, and I know there's a lot of people out there going, oh, but we played really well and we had 26 shots. And I'm like, Fuck, we nearly killed the crowd behind the goal with the shots that we had. As I said to you before the pod started, we could have played there for 90 days, never mind 90 minutes, and never scored. We never looked likely. Grujic, whenever he came on, had one one attempt. It was probably the best of all. But bar that, for all the for all the guile they showed and and going forward, and it's it's just it's you know what it's like last season all over again. We're we're getting to the final third, and it all fucks up. Lalana is just ridiculous. Why he's retaining the place? Seriously, if those chances are falling to to, to a striker or somebody who who can actually kick a ball. You know, we, we maybe stand a chance, but Lallana gets into the box and he has a turn and he's turning. You know, and we have talked this to death, Neil. I, I am, uh, Firmino, completely anonymous. Where was he? Was he even playing? Coutinho, as I say, sort of trying to kill the crowd behind the goal with everything he hit. And, and the pressure's on him again, it seems, you know, to, to, to deliver. So he's trying everything he can to score and that leaves him, you know, with wild shots. In fact, most of our attacking was wild shots outside the box. Was, and then we move on to the curious case of Jordan Henderson. Was he even playing? You know what I mean? For, for what he offered? I, I, I've read other places, you know, it's not his role. It's, it's, it's not the way he likes to play as the holder. And what, what the fuck is he doing there? You know what I mean? What's he doing at the club? I would even ask because I don't think he's, he's fit for purpose any longer. And then we can move on to Daniel Sturridge, who, again, in my opinion, didn't look completely bothered at all. There's there's a few issues there. You know, certainly that ball that went to the keeper, it was a ball, I think, from Coutinho. And it just looks like he is afraid of himself. He's afraid to open up uh, and, and go for these balls and, and, you know, use his pace. It's almost like he's playing within himself. It's always almost like he's protecting himself. And that's not a good sign either on game two of the season. And, you know, while, while leagues aren't won and lost... On the first day of the, or the first few games of the season. This is, whenever you consider it, we played two games and that's two halves in each game and we've, we, we performed for one half and, 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 and in that half we also conceded three goals, two goals. I apologize. It's kind of nuts and it doesn't bode well. And as the other Neil, Neil Devon said in the group, you know, are these players that couldn't have been signed by Brendan Rodgers? And I think he's a fair point in that. And also, you know, that game in particular, and even, even the Arsenal game in the first half, it just looked like the same old defensive issues that we've had for years and years and years. And it doesn't appear that very much has changed. I know that Klopp is a much better coach, and I'm not suggesting for one second I'm, I'm against Klopp here or anything, but I, you know, I feel that maybe Klopp has, has maybe underestimated his task, and I think he's maybe underestimated the, the Premier League. You know, we we see, and I don't advocate um, our Man United spending a uh, hundred million on Pogba, but whenever you saw what he brought to the to, to the party on Friday night, you know they've bought a real purpose-built player to play in a certain position, and he changes the whole dynamic of that team. I thought he was excellent, and you know I'm not advocating we should go out and spend a hundred million, but maybe forty to fifty to get the right player that. that that balances our midfield. We also need a left back, and there just seems to be nothing going on in that direction. And all we seem to do is buy attacking midfield players, when our real concern is getting some protection for that back four. And that back four, 
albeit Mingalay's there. We know his strengths. We know his weaknesses. I don't feel he was at fault for either of the goals. Um, I would put the, the fault of the first goal squarely on Klein. And actually, I would put the fault of the second one on Sturridge because he lost the ball at the edge of the area. And within two passes, the ball was basically in the net the other end. And that is really, really, really worrying for me at this stage. You know, we are meant to have had this great pre-season. Klopp's meant to be working with them, you know, building this team. But there's no defence. And and it feels like it's going to be 13-14 again if we do anything this season. It's going to be by the seat of our pants. It's going to be heart and mouth stuff. It's going to be four threes, five fours. Great for neutrals, not so great for us. And is it really the way you want to proceed this season? Living on your nerves. You know, we had to live on our nerves for a, for, a, for a portion of the game against Arsenal. There was no nerves on Saturday because when three minutes were, were finished, we knew they were going to park the bus and it was over. And it's really depressing. And it's really, after two games of the season, I, I feel ashamed to actually speak like this. But seriously, I, I, have, I have real worries. Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of players to come back. But even putting those players in, it, it's the midfield for me. It's not the defence. If, if you give that defence a little bit more uh, protection... And, and it just doesn't have it at the moment. There's no shape or form. Is there any protection for, for the midfield? And I think that's what the problem is. And we're not looking to invest. Um, all the noises I'm getting at the moment is nothing doing, nothing to see here. And, 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 and it just is beginning to scare me now. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, absolutely valid with a lot of the criticisms there and was, was a horrendous game to watch. And you kind of rightly mentioned that we've shot ourselves in the foot with within two minutes of, of the game kicking off and, and just double the difficulty of the task that all the players knew they had to face. So I'm, I'm going to come to Carly on this. Dave mentioned stories there with the second goal, um, two passes in the net. Now, I know Clavin has a, has a bit of a horror show there, but my concern also in watching that goal, and it was mentioned there by Dave as well, was Jordan Henderson possibly in the wrong position, totally ineffective in any way to close the ball down. And the fact that, in fact, the midfield just wasn't there behind Sturridge. How do you see how, do you see how we played there, Carly? And, and what is your um, the concern? Whole, the game was pretty much a shambles from start to finish. The whole team, I think, really to a man. They, they didn't perform. I don't think you could have went through that team. I picked one person who played at all well. The second goal in particular, I watched it a few times, actually, a match of the day on Sunday morning. Um, I couldn't really face it on Saturday night. And if anybody watches that goal back again, it was a horrendous goal to concede for our whole team. Sturridge lost the ball more or less on the edge of the penalty box. Um, I think Coutinho it was, tried to track him back to the halfway line and just decided to stop dead. In the meantime, Henderson was running towards the ball, stopped dead and ran in the opposite direction. Clavin had a few calamities. And trying to defend it, I think the ball then ended up on the edge of the penalty box with Henderson, Clavin and, and Lovren chasing it. It was just a nightmare goal to concede from start from start to finish. <sighs> Henderson has took a lot of criticism about the game. Um, I think as some of you might have seen it or know about some video that was circulating on Twitter. Basically, uh, there's no other way to put it other than trying to humiliate him or take the piss out of him. Um, it was a video apparently of all his errors during the game. I don't think any player can hold their head high after that game, but I don't particularly see that Henderson was the worst on the pitch. I think there was a stat out the other day saying that like maybe he, he missed... He captained it, Chuck Carley. I think that's that's half the issue. He captained it. Yeah, for that performance, he was the captain. And <laughs> it was a spineless, pathetic performance. And was was a spineless, pathetic performance of a captain as well. Ouch. Ooh. Well, I don't know. I just maybe it was. I don't particularly think he performed that badly, but I think we've all raised concerns about Henderson as a captain before. Um, but I certainly don't think that as a Liverpool fan, after watching that match, the first thing you want to do is go on the internet and make a video of a player's uh, misplaced passes or mistakes that he's made during a game. That is just totally baffling. I mean, I know we're on here passing comments and maybe criticising players, but. To stoop that low to actually try and humiliate them is totally beyond me. Henderson's obviously just back from injury, so maybe he's just bed himself back in. But the rest of them don't really know what, what their excuse was. We could have, like Dave said, we could have played that game for 90 days. It didn't matter how many shots we had. We just weren't going to score. And although I felt quite positive going into the game, um, as soon as I scored the first goal, I just, I just knew it was going to be one of those days, no matter what happened. We weren't going to score, and you have to give credit to Burnley for how well they set up. They had a game plan, they stuck to it, and they were incredibly controlled in what they did. They didn't make any mistakes, and 
essentially we we didn't have a game plan we didn't change um it was pretty obvious earlier on early on what was going to happen during the game and how Bernie were going to play and when we realized that you know our game plan wasn't working something should have changed and unfortunately it didn't so for me things just went from from bad to worse and you know you can, you can criticize a player for you know like the likes of Coutinho okay hitting shots from 20 30 yards out hitting hope but there was other players in that pitch that literally didn't look like they gave a shit and that's something I can't forgive you know if you want to go out and try something and it doesn't work at least you've tried it but at least fucking try yeah I mean I think I'd go along with the, with the fact that the heads dropped very very early and and Umaira, I want to want to come to you with this. We saw the Watford game last year. That's the one that really sticks out. There were other examples, but uh, we had just come off the back of of a good run, and we we went to Watford Vicarage Road, and we got absolutely taken apart by what should have been should have been an inferior team. And we were all hoping, optimistically, going into the season, that those kinds of performances and results might be a thing of the past. And Within three minutes, we've gone and done it to ourselves again, played right into their hands. And do you, do you see now that, do you think that we're going to be able to avoid this in the future? Do you think that there's, we can, we can put some kind of contingency in place? Because it really looked like more of the same. And, and that for me would be the worrying thing. Well, I bloody well hope so, because there are loads more Burnleys in the league than there are cities, Chelsea's and Arsenal. So we're going to have a, a long, hard slog of a season if we can't sort this problem out. And I think what you said about losing to these teams, kind of teams last season, and I think that's why we're so angry about this result, because it's come so quick and we, we all had some hope that this season might have been different. Yes, we've got a lot of the same players as last season but we thought you know maybe the pre-season and the training and the and the, the time with Klopp might have had some kind of an effect on them and I think uh, and, and for, for this loss to come so soon and so so soon after beating Arsenal okay the performance wasn't fantastic against Arsenal but still we had three points and it really it buoyed everyone everyone was happy and you know we don't get results at Arsenal very um, often so it was a good result for us regardless of how we got it so we thought we got through that first game and now we're going to carry on but then we just got kicked in the teeth really really quickly and that's that's why it was so hard to take I mean I'm, I'm angry at the result conceding a goal in the second minute as we've all said it's always difficult after that Burnley do not come come again to play against us to play football against us they will come just to make life, life difficult just to stifle us just to frustrate us and then if you let them score a goal, goal so early on they are going to then just sit back and that's what happened and you know they had eight or nine men in the box after that and without Mane's pace it was hard to break down and we've traditionally done badly against these teams anyway we've always found it hard against these sort of lower teams who um j- just sort of park the bus as you would say but you know we've got to find a way to to sort this out because as i said this is going to be something that we we face more often more often than not in the premier league and it needs to be sorted i don't know how i'm hoping that again like i just mentioned Mane is going to be that maybe that link that's going to provide the pace and you know maybe he can break that down the channels maybe when he plays up with with Sturridge i mean we've mentioned Sturridge and i know you guys have all said that spoken maybe a little bit negatively about him and you know i know he isn't playing like he used to. he's only played one game though he didn't play the first one so I'm going to give him a little more time. It was a difficult game to play in. Like I said, as, uh, after conceding so early, it was always going to be hard for, the, for our strikers to break down that defence anyway. And with Sturridge, if he does have issues with his pace or the injuries, uh, previous injuries are holding him back, that's not going to help either. You know, maybe he's better with a partner. That's been another option that people have been talking about. I still think he's a player that we need to keep. And I don't. I think talk of maybe selling him or moving him on, or it's not something I agree with. Henderson, you've all mentioned in that DM sort of role, he is wasted there. I know, Dave, you said that he he's a midfielder and he should be able to play there, but it's not. That's not that his natural game, and he's consistently played in that position. And I feel that, um, like Carly said, he was massacred when everyone around him was also shit. Firmino did nothing, Coutinho did nothing the midfield was absent I mean we mentioned that second goal they literally walked through the middle of the park and scored a goal, it was embarrassing and the, and then the defence get blamed uh, I think a little bit unfairly so okay we don't have the best defence in the world we know that but they're not as bad as they, they're made out to be either I think the midfield is just completely 
destroying the team at the moment. There's nothing there. We all say that that's where the games are won and lost. And at the moment, we're losing our games there because we don't have a midfield. And the the couple of good midfielders that we had were on the bench that day. Chan, I would have even put Stuart in there because the ones that we had weren't doing anything. So, yeah, it's just there were so many things. You've got the the left-back issue. Milner at left-back, no one's mentioned that one. There was the debate whether Moreno should start, should have started there. Then you, ha- I mean, I in my last pod said I would prefer to see Milner there, but then we've seen that he brings different set of issues. I mean, neither is the solution here. I think we have to be yeah, looking what, at. What third. would have been the difference, Holmes? You know what I mean? What would have been the difference between Moreno or, or Milner? Well, you that's know, what I'm saying. They bring different sets of issues. I yeah, mean, Moreno, but, but, yeah, he but, but would have the, given the up result, the attacking. The result would have remained the same, in my opinion. Well, that, that's the point Probably. I mean. That's what I'm saying. Moreno, if he had provided us with maybe an attacking outlet, might maybe would have conceded a few more. Now, that, I'm not saying that's the case, but it could have been. But then with Milner there as well, he hasn't got the pace, and he kept cutting in from the left to his right foot, yeah. and that was wasting a lot of time. He doesn't have the recovery pace to get back, whereas Moreno might have. So they, they bring different things to the team. But I don't think either of, them, the, either of them is the solution here. And I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know, you know, if we're looking at to buy anyone. They doesn't seem like it unless something comes out of the bag. I mean, it has happened in this transfer window before where players have just been announced and no one's known anything about it. So I'm hoping that's going to happen with the left back because if we carry on with those two options at left back, I think we're going to be conceding a hell of a lot more goals um, and creating ourselves with a lot, lots more problems unless Klopp has another plan up his sleeve maybe playing one of the center backs when Sacco's back we've heard maybe Clavan might be able to play left back I don't know I'm just guessing here we're, that's what we do we just guess on pods but um yeah it's just there were so many issues there is we could literally talk about this all day I think um yeah it's just the options at left back uh, that needs to be addressed uh, otherwise yeah. there, there's going to be tons of issues this season yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've mentioned the the midfield there. You mentioned, and I'm glad that you moved on to the defence. And we sort of mentioned Milner. Yeah, we know Moreno has had his issues, but uh, I I just I just have to say, from my point of view, I think Klopp Klopp's gotten it wrong there. I think I know why he has. I think he's been worried about the long ball with Burnley. He's worried about the 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 ball over the top, the height, the physical aspect. Moreno's had a panning for pretty much that that part of his game and uh, he, he's gone for Milner there but when we concede so early Milner offers nothing in an attacking sense and unfortunately I mean Klopp's system the fullbacks need to provide all the width and, and when you've got a fullback who half the time is far too deep and the other half of the time is cutting inside on his right foot consistently and yeah. produce uh, you're, you're really on a hiding to nothing you're going nowhere and I think Lovren and Clavin they got away with it a little in the, in the Arsenal game, and they played quite well. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think you know Clavin was found a little bit wanting, and, and Lovren and he that this burgeoning partnership looked absolutely all at sea at the weekend. I think I think we have big problems actually because I think you're right about the midfield, but I think in defence we we were really shown up by a very average side. I mean, there's no getting away from it. Burnley played well and they were well organised, but they're lacking in quality. And they exposed us. I think we really, we need to sort of look at with the defence. I know um, the issues we've we've touched on, but with I know the carious injury is just one of those things. It was just one of those freak things that happened. But he, um, I think that makes a difference as well. When they know that Minnelli's in goal, kind of sends a bit of panic through the defence. I think once Carius is back and he's shown that he looks really confident and commanding and and quite vocal, I'm hoping that's going to make a difference as well. So. Um, it's interesting to see what happens when he comes back. Should be back in hopefully what a couple of weeks. Am yeah, I being too positive there? <laughs> I the sooner the better. Like I think. I think it was an initial six weeks, so it might be two or three weeks now. Hopefully. Neil, yeah. I, I, I want to ask you something just just here on the back of what what Amara was talking about there. The majority of teams we're we're going to face, and the, the reality of it is, are going to park a bus. And that's not something you see in the Bundesliga, and I'm just, you know, or not commonly in the Bundesliga. Is this going to be something where Klopp really struggles? It, it was, a, it was a, a criticism of him, uh, of, of his sides during his time in the Bundesliga, that he, he perhaps did struggle with the, the ultra-conservative low-block teams. But at the same time, there are sides in the Bundesliga that, that do play that way, usually the smaller teams, the newly promoted sides. But... There are teams that have established themselves now within the Bundesliga, your FC Kuhls, your um, Augsburgs and so on, that 
I mean, they essentially they play a very defensive game, and Wild Club is all about the well, the the club image is all about the the counter pressing and the the quick transitions and so on. They did win plenty of games, one 0 They did keep a lot of clean sheets. Dortmund, when his Dortmund sides were at their best, they are conceding something like twenty three goals in a season, twenty eight goals in a season. And okay, you're talking about a shorter season, but it's still thirty four games. So you're looking at conceding less than a goal a game. Now, I know, Dave, you came with a stat uh, on the WhatsApp group a couple of days ago about how many times we've conceded two or more under club, or at least two goals under club. And that's something that he'd be desperate to rectify. And I think when you when you begin a game and when you know or you, you, you have a good idea you're going to go a couple of goals down or you're going to concede one or two goals in that game, it makes everything that much more difficult for everybody. The pressure's on the goalkeeper, the pressure's on the defenders, the pressure's then on the strikers to score because if they miss their chances, they, they're not confident about the about the defence. So, I mean, I think that is the number one thing the club will be determined to rectify. He's a centre-back himself and, you know, he's well known for drilling defensive, you know, the defensive unit. So, I am really, really hoping that once we actually get our first choice back five in, things are going to change. Because if you do go goals down against these sides who like to who like to sit in and and just take the odd chance here or there, you really are on a hiding to nothing because they have something to hold on to then. And you know the likes of Pulis and so on, they they're kings of that. That's what they live for. That's their lifeblood. So whilst it was a criticism of him at Dortmund, it was also somewhat unfair if you look at his his whole record. It was more of a more of a problem in his last year at Dortmund when he had a lot of injuries. And that's really where it, uh, gener- it has been generated from. But if he can get the defence right, you know, those kind of problems can, uh, you know, sort themselves out. M- might he look at a defensive midfielder then? I think he might. I think at the moment, after yesterday's performance, after Jordan Henderson's lack of, of being any kind of convincing replacement for Emre Chan in there, even with questions about Emre Chan's suitability for the role immediately, if not in the long term, I think he may well look at another midfielder, whether it'll be a, a destroyer. It's never been a destroyer with him. He had a Gundogan, he had a Sahin. You know, he always had players who can dictate uh, the pace of the game. But when Emery Chan isn't there, we don't have one. We don't have that replacement. Uh, so he could well look for another central midfielder in a, in a more holding type rather than, shall we say, a destroyer type. I hope so. Okay, so we'll move it on a little here. And we... We'll take it back to we'll take it back to Carly. I mean, we have the questions over the transfer market, and we have you know a lot of a lot of talk. It's been mentioned already. Um, Dave mentioned already about um, the lack of possible lack of ambition, uh, the, the the signings that Brendan Rodgers could have made. Do you, do you think that's fair? Do you think we should be looking now after the weekend's results to really you know step up uh, in the transfer market, or do you, or do you think it's it's a bit of a red herring and you know, there's there's no need for what some might call a knee-jerk reaction. Um, I guess there's really sort of two roads to go down with that answer. The first one is, like you say, it's the second game of the season, so we really don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction. Obviously, none of us were happy, and I think it's probably a good thing that we've done the pod two days after the game rather than straight after, because I think a lot of us would have said things that we regretted. Um, yeah, and I guess the, the on the flip side, you know, the comment that has been made about the signings we have made. They are signings that Rodgers could have made, and I think that's a very fair point. I think maybe a lot of us, naively to a certain extent, maybe got excited, you know, whenever we got Klopp thinking of all the, the massive players, the marquee signings that he could attract, whilst forgetting that that's not a Klopp thing to do. You know, Klopp wants to bring in these sort of, to a certain extent, unknown up-and-coming players, and he wants to develop them. You know, we've already seen him this week in his press conference saying he can't wait until the transfer window's closed, and why do people automatically assume, you know, if there's a problem within the team that the, the first thing to do is to go out and buy another player, you know, to rectify that problem? Klopp has come out and said, why can that problem not be addressed on the training pitch, you know, without spending any money? So it is in- going to be interesting to see what's going to happen. I mean, as I've already said, um, all the noises that we're hearing is that really no players are on the radar. And FSG are coming under a lot of criticism for that because of, of what we've done in this transfer window, the amount of money we've recouped from from sales. I am a fan of F- FSG. I like what they've done for the club. I think that, 
yes, they're not perfect and they have made mistakes, but when they have made mistakes, they've been quick to rectify them. Um, so I guess on one hand, you know, from the players we have let go, there's money there to spend if it's needed. But I'm just going to trust in Klopp and let him deal with it. If he thinks and he's seeing the players in training and thinks that there's things that he can change without going out and spending the money, then I, th- I think we should let him do that. However, as a, as a point that was already made earlier, this is his first full season in the Premiership. And although he had obviously games last season, I think he might get his eyes opened again as to how hard the Premier League is. But it's sort of two games into the season. We're at that tipping point of trying to rein ourselves in, trying to remain calm and, and focus, and obviously trying not to lose our shit after watching that game on Saturday. No, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's it's, it's a great point you bring up there about uh, you know the the juxtaposition between working on the training pitch and and kind of throwing money at it. And Umar, I mean, I know you you had been a, a little underwhelmed on some of the business, and I know you, you like a more key signing. So I mean, do you think now that he's had this wake up call? We've we've been slapped in the face basically after what was a bit of a delirious kind of performance against against Arsenal. You know, it was all a bit, uh, what's the word, hysterical. We ended up 4-3 and, you know, it was such a rollercoaster of a ride. We, we just, we were strapped in for Burnley expecting to, to go ahead and win that no problem. He's been slapped around now with a, with a big wet fish. Is there going to be a change in the, in the approach? Do you think we'll go in? And if so, do you think there's maybe even a case for bringing somebody else, not just in the midfield, but perhaps as a striker as well, an actual striker, not an attacking midfielder? Well, I don't think this game should be the reason he dips into the transfer market. I remember having a conversation with you on Twitter maybe a month or two ago talking about us maybe having to sign one or two of these marquee players just to give the squad a bit of a boost. And I remember we were we were disagreeing on a couple of things. and Just for a change. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I not normally disagree with you, do I? Um <laughs> I think we needed that. I think we did need a couple of those bigger players to bring in. You know, I would have liked a, a good defensive midfielder or a, a striker, whatever. Two two of the the positions that we needed at the time. And I, I did think, to, you know, a couple of those players would just inject a little bit of kind of, it would just boost the squad a bit. But then you know, listening to him, I kind of bought into that philosophy of training, training players on the pitch but that's going to take time then. We, then we have to be really patient with him and give him maybe even more time than we might like to. I mean, it's, you know, the players that we've got at the moment, so, some of them are good players, some of them are okay players, some of them aren't very good players. I don't think we can really say we, we have a really, really top player in our squad at the moment. I mean, top player would, to me, would be performing consistently week in, week out. Coutinho doesn't do that. Firmino doesn't do that. He might, you know, he, he might do it in blocks. I mean, we're only two games in. I really don't want to say that players aren't performing two games into the into the season. But you know, even maybe if you look back at last season, there isn't one that you consistently stands out. Coutinho does it in bits. There'll be games when he's magical, like he was last week, and then there's games where he won't turn up. Same with Firmino, and you know, we I think that it would really give us a, a, would really help to bring in a, a kind of star player. The problem is, do they want to come here? We've had this discussion many times now. We're not in the Champions League. We're not an attractive proposition to these players anymore. We thought Klopp might be able to bring them in, but it doesn't seem to be the case. And I think, I can't remember where I read it. It was a while ago now that I think even he was a bit surprised at how he wasn't acquiring the targets that he wanted, um, whether it be money or whether it be the players not wanting to come because we weren't, we couldn't offer them a Champions League football or whatever it was. So he's now having to maybe look, you know, maybe do do something a little bit differently to 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 what he might have. So now he's talking about training the players that we have. Obviously, when he comes into the media, he has to give the the right. He has to say the right things. He has to say, and I'm going to train my players now. I mean, he can't turn around and say, well, I can't get the players I want because that's just not how it works with with managers. They have to watch what they say. And, you know, they have to look after their own players, too. It's all about being positive about around them as well. You don't just come out and slate the whole squad uh, and say that I can't get the players that I want and now I'm going to have to train with the shit I have. It's, it just doesn't work like that. He's now, he's now, maybe he is thinking differently. Maybe he is. I know that at, at Dortmund, like Carly said, maybe developed kind of the unknowns. Lewandowski, as I'm, I'm, I'm led to believe, was brought when he was wasn't re- wasn't really much of a player, and then he turned into this world class player. So maybe he can do that with us. But um, 
remains to be seen at the moment. And you know, it's, I'm sure he's learning from all of this. And I'm, I think he's had a couple of rude awakenings uh, as well on how how life in the Premier League is and how what massive task he has taken on at Liverpool. I don't think he really. You don't really know until you're there, anyway. But you know, maybe he's he's now learning that actually this isn't what I thought it would be. Yeah, I mean that's that's very interesting because I'm, you know, I'm sure Klopp, knowing the history of the club and doing the research, would have at least thought of thought of himself as having that kind of idea. But I think what the point you make is is certainly true. I mean, the the nature of the base and the, the psychological. The wounded piece that Liverpool has become over the years, not not least through through supporters as well, who you know remember the glory days and have been hurt so many times before. And what do you say about Lewandowski? Yep, signed from from Polish second division side. Um, but what Klopp was was able to do was developing these players into superstars was to grind out results in his first couple of seasons and and gradually improve and improve so that that uh, that was noticeable. And it took time. Are we patient enough, Dave? Can we can we take another season of finishing fifth, or or even improving the fifth? I mean, do we now want to to bypass the the formative years and just spend a bit of money, pay the bigger wages, and and go in for the bigger for the bigger names, or or can we as a fan base, as a club, can we get through this season without tearing each other apart if we don't? If we don't get to the higher echelons, do you see what I'm getting at? No, I do, and I think you're going to have a very sort of divided fan base on this one because, you know, when Klopp came in, it was the second coming of Jesus Christ. It was almost like, you know, and and the love that the man and the trust, you know, Carly, Carly said, I trust in Klopp. Well, what are you basing that trust on last season? Or, um, you know, what he did at Dortmund? They did, that's not what he did at Liverpool. Trust something that's earned. And while he's gone a long way to doing that, he still hasn't won anything. And, and the signs, as I say, you, you know, as I said in the last pieces I spoke, the signs are just, what, what's different from Rodgers here at the minute? Albeit, he's a much superior coach, and I'll give him that. But my worry is, you know, you mentioned FSG as well, who, again, I have ultimate respect for, for what they did uh, for the club and saving it. But saving it from what? Saving it to float around the middle of the table? We got rid of American owners in Hicks and Gillette who had a wonderful manager in Rafa Benitez, who they who they believed was going to overachieve year on year, which he did. He won the Champions League. He was second in the league. He, he consistently in the top four. So with the squad and the resources that, that the Cowboys at that stage gave him, he was way overachieving. And I'm just wondering, again, we've got American owners here, and, 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 and you know, I make no apology for this. Are they working on the same lines that they can do it on the cheap? Here's a man, Klopp, who builds, he buys cheap, he buys cheap, he buys cheap and develops. And that's great, that's no problem, and, and we, we like to see that in football. But I, I hark back again to the, the, the Pogba deal, and, and why I may disagree with the money. Let's just look at the player and what, what United brought. Now, United have been out of the Champions League 2 and 4. They're not, they're not in it this season. But they showed the ambition to the player. They went with an idea. Okay, yes, they're paying better, bigger, bigger and better wages than us. But, you know, they, they went to Pogba and said, well, we've brought in Ibrahimovic. We've brought in Mkhitaryan. We've brought in all these guys. And, you know, we're, we're going for it. If you come to Liverpool, what are you going to get? Oh, well, when you, when you stand there, there's going to be 54,000 people, providing we've got a team on the pitch that, on a product worth selling. Well, who am I going to play with? Oh, you play with a Regi, Sturridge, if he's fit, you know, the back four is a bit of a disaster, there's no midfield. Well, would you come? Regardless of the money, would you come if you, if, if you were given that as a choice over, over, over an elite club like Chelsea or Manchester United? Who, who they are, they're in a different league to us at the moment, Manchester City. And t- to break into that, especially whenever you've just, re- you know, removed a problem from our team for 32.5 million, which we, is what we paid for the guy. Uh, and it's not been Techie's fault. Fine player, wrong, wrong player, wrong system, wrong team. And, and we got our money back from that. That, that leaves us in the black. Um, with, with a stadium be, re, being redeveloped. And, you know, they're, they're looking to sell all this corporate shit and, and whatnot out. But they're not thinking about what's going on in the pitch. You know, in order to fill that stadium week on week, you need to have a product on the pitch worth selling. Is, do we have that at the minute? I don't, you know, bar the Dortmund game and a few ups and downs last season. I don't see great, great, great improvement. And I, and it's not a case of should we settle for fifth? I think we're nailed on fifth to seventh. It's a progression because it's better than eighth last season. But, you know, the question for me is, where is the ambition? Is this what, what FSG want to do? Float around for a while in the hope that someday they break the top four and then sell? I know there was, uh, those rumors last, or this week, uh, about a Chinese company wanting to co-invest with FSG. 
and they would make us richer than Manchester City. Is that really the, is that really the route we want to go to? It's not the purest route. It's not what, what you want to see in, in the purest football terms. But in order, sadly, in the Premier League, with Crystal Palace spending 32.5 million and us in the black, it sort of suggests that instead of looking above us, we're, we're, we're terrified of what's coming behind us because they're buying big, they're buying good quality players. I'm not suggesting the quality of our players that have been bought is, is bad or anything. Manny's a great, looks a great signing so far after two games. But, you know, ultimately it, it's not from the top locker. It's not the finished article. And we don't have a finished article in our team. We had an article that was finished in Steven Gerrard two seasons ago and he was finished sadly. And that was the, that was the nearest thing we've had to it in a while. Um, I have no doubt that some of these players may or may not achieve their potential, but that's what we're buying at them, and it's just potential. Whereas the likes, and it sickens me to say it, Manchester United are going out and buying the, the very, very nearly polished article in Paul Pogba, and, and he just looked like a man amongst boys on that pitch on Friday night, and it just really rang home to me, like, holy shit, like, if we had that, if we had that in our midfield, that kind of an engine in our midfield, and while Emery Chan's very good, he's still very young, um, and he's not that in that elite bracket you would put Pogba in. It, it, I, I think that how many years now has it been that we have gone on and on and on? We need a defensive midfielder. Lucas isn't good enough. Five or six seasons and still the writing's on the wall and still nobody's fucking looking at it. And it it it, it just drives me nuts. We've, we've looked at the hood. We looked at Ruben Neves, who are two players that fit the profile and from what I'm led to believe I don't know a great deal about them in playing terms but from from people I respect they would say these are the guys you want to come in we looked at Jonathan Tau we looked at Nicolas Nicola Soule again his performances in, in the Olympics for the German team were absolutely fantastic big big bastard of a player like no two ways about it and the kind of boy you want to see in your back four and he looks very good for the age of him and can only get better but we're not looking at that you know we looked at Jonas Hector at left back we are in desperate need of a left back we can't leave Milner there he's no recovery pace while Moreno leaves his station far too early um, the problem with Milner is he he leaves this Milner station. never leaves yeah no and when he does he has no recovery pace to get back at least Moreno at least has the pace to, to come back you, you know what I mean it it at the moment, I am I am really worried after what I've seen after two games. And I know everyone's going, there's only two games and you can't base a season on that. But the writing's on the wall here. You know, the, the rumours coming out, albeit that everything's been plugged down, is there's nothing coming in. We're, we're finished unless by a miracle. And it does, it worries me going forward. So bottom line then, Dave, you don't see anybody coming in. We've got nine days of the window left. I don't, I don't see, I don't see anybody coming in who is going to change things dramatically. I don't think the type of player, whether it be that we're not willing to pay the wages, I, I don't know what it is. I don't, you know, nobody knows unless you're inside FSG what, what the whole game plan is. But, you know, we, we operate on a, on a lower level to, to, to the Chelsea's, the Manchester City's, the Manchester United's of this world, even, even the Arsenal's of this world. Uh, we just don't pay those wages. And, it's very hard to attract the players, even with a world-class manager, as we're finding out. Until we go out and actually try it and break the mould, which we've never done. Uh, I think we did it a little bit with Suarez to keep him, but that was only to, to get more money back in again. It, it was clear what their, it was a ploy. But then they don't seem at all willing or able to take the risk and say, look, we're going to buy this marquee player, or at least a finished article. Uh, you know, it, it, it's good for it. And it is good for everything. It's good for the marketing. It's good for selling tickets. It's good It's good for everything if you have a name on the pitch. We don't have it. You know, and, and you can name your name your stand after whatever you want, your new stand. You can say that Klopp is your brand, that Klopp is... But Klopp's not on the pitch. You, We are football fans. We need a hero, and we don't have one. There you go. That's the pod title. <laughs> we need a hero. So no, I mean, I'm definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, no, I can see 100 percent where you're coming from. I mean, I just we just wrap that one up. The transfers with with both you, uh, Cardi first. Do you agree with Dave? You don't see anyone coming, or nobody who's really going to make a difference, or what do you think? Well, I mean, everybody who I've spoken to or would know anything is saying, you know. there's nothing happening. Having said that, Klopp seems to have done a lot of business and done a lot of things without a lot of people knowing, so maybe there is something under wraps. I don't know, but do you know what? Listening to Dave made me sort of angry, but then it made me realise that I'm angry because what he's saying is the truth, and the truth is sometimes hard to listen to. So, I mean, I, I really, even if it was one one big player signed, I don't really know what kind of difference it would make uh, on, or what position it would be to have such a great effect. I'm not 
I'm really trying not to be too pessimistic after Saturday. Um, it was the second game of the season, but I do agree with Dave. I think we're looking at a fifth or, or sixth place finish for the season. Yeah, no, I mean, that's it's, it's completely understandable. We were all, like I said, giddy after the Arsenal game, and we've been thoroughly, you know, thumped back down to earth. Um, I did warn you, though, on that podcast. You did, and we, we talked about it. I mean, I remember saying that we were talking about deja vu, and I remember saying, well, if we do lose against Burnley, then it will be. It will be deja vu. And, I mean, do you see that as well, Imar? Do you think we can shake this? Do you think we can just fucking write this one off uh, as a bad job and, and get it together? Or do you really think, we'll, you know, the writing's on the wall for us again this season? I wish it was as easy as just shaking it off and, you know, it being a blip. I hope so, but I think that would just be hoping <laughs> for the hope's sake. There are, we've all gone through the issues here. And if a couple of them aren't at least addressed, then there's going to be issues. I mean, we can talk about transfers and stuff and we'd love this player and we'd love that player and we want it, we want desperately want a defensive midfielder and a left back, but we, you know, we don't know. We don't know what's going on and why why these positions aren't being filled, even though the team's crying out for them. And then apart from that, you know, you've got a couple of people who are questioning Klopp's sort of tactics or decisions on on Saturday as well. Um, again, putting Henderson in a plate at a place where he doesn't really feel comfortable playing. Milner at left back. Your midfielders that were sitting on the bench when we the midfielders on the pitch were not doing anything. And then you had kind of the late substitutions. People were crying out for half-time substitutions or this player to come on or that player to come on. You know, there were even the questions surrounding the manager now as well. So it's, it's I, I hope it's just the one-off, but I don't think it is. I know that's horrible, but I'm just hoping they're not going to be, you know, as frequent as they were last season where, you know, it, it happened a few times last season. I don't, I'm just hoping that we can learn from this one. The transfer window is still open. You never know. Like I said, the transfers before, some of them were just completely under the radar and we didn't, we missed them completely. So there might be one or two coming in that we're not sure of. Um, but, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see for that and sit here and speculate and ponder and worry for the next what, yeah. what is it, week or so? Week or That's 10 what we days. Do. Well, like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah. Like in reality, Neil, in, in the last 27 years, we've threatened the league three times. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I know. It's, it's, it speaks it, volumes, you know? It absolutely does. I it, mean, it, it absolutely it, it does. It tells you there's something inherently wrong, root and branch at the club, and has been for decades. And each time we've threatened it, we've dropped away massively, not just the, the year after, although we have, but for, for the next three or four years, you know, these, these challenges have been very sporadic, and it tends to be when somebody feels, then the next few, or gets so close, shall we say, rather than feels, then, then we go to pieces collectively. The club that that team then has to be broken up, and that's a that's a whole period of time that has to go, you know, be be completed as well before the psychology or whatever it is can change again. And you know, the fans go through it as well. God, we we know. But I'm just still hoping that it's some. Sorry, I'm just still hoping that it's something Klopp is learning. I mean, learning from. Um, I had another conversation with someone earlier about him. You know, he shouldn't need to be learning. He's kind of the finished article, but. It's still a new league for him, and I think, as I said earlier as well, it's a couple of things that might might have been shocked him shocked him in his system when he's come to this club. Okay, I didn't think that this was going to be that hard. But there's more so, blind belief, Omari. You know what I mean? What are you basing yeah, your well, belief I th- on? I think what he did at Dortmund. It, that's not Liverpool. It's a I think again, league. Though, it's that, a completely different animal. I think the well, word he's, he, he's that is, top kind of echelon of managers isn't he I mean okay he's not maybe as successful as Mourinho and, and Ancelotti and all the rest of them but he's still he's still up there with them yeah but this I is, think this I think we need, to, first... we need to believe in him we need to give him at least this season before we oh, yes, absolutely. start saying that he you know and that, and that's really what I want to come on to and I think the word learning because I saw the conversation I know exactly it's one of our one of our members <laughs> so I know exactly who you were who you were talking to about that I think the word learning is too strong Possibly acclimatizing is too weak, but there are certainly things that that he's being exposed to where he's 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 having to learn. Well, he's having having to take them in very very quickly. And this is what I want to come on to now. And you've both brought it up brilliantly because there are question marks now beginning to arise about Klopp. The fact is, it's it is now his second season, and albeit it's only the second game. That first season leeway just, it goes out the window. It really does for a lot of people. People say, right, now it's the second season. He's got his own players. He's had his own preseason, full preseason. 
and you know excuses are over so I mean a couple of things a couple of points to the question one how quickly should we be looking to judge this situation and two where the fuck do we go if people are calling for Klopp's head by Christmas so I'll go 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 to you with that Dave because I mean I know you've you've your opinions on it well, I, I would hope very much that people would have the sense not to be calling for Klopp's head while it's healthy to question. You know what I mean? I think it was Amara mentioned there, the Ancelotti's, the Mourinho's, the elite managers. They've done it in all, they've all done it in more than one league. This is Klopp's first foray outside the, the Bundesliga. So it's a, it's a learning curve for him. I personally would say, give the guy three years because what's the fucking worst that can happen? It's, you know, we're each 30 years without a title. Like, well, it's 27 without already. At least, you know, I, I believe in him, but I think he needs to adapt, and I think he, he maybe needs a different environment around him. It maybe is the owners. I, I don't know. There's just something wrong at Liverpool, and we we talk about this in all the pods. There's something inherently wrong in the running of that club, and has been for years. And, you know, as you said, the good grace went out the window for, for this season. Why? Because we expected to see something different. What we've seen in the first two games is the same fucking dross that Brendan Rodgers served us up. And this is Jurgen Klopp. So it's understandable, but I don't think that anybody should be shouting for his head by Christmas. You know, you've got to give the man his time. You've got to give the man at least chance with his own team. The same as we gave him last season a free ball. I think this season's a free ball as well, because it has to be. This is his first season with his players, unless it goes disastrously wrong and we're in the lower end of the table, we're even struggling with relegation. Then maybe we'd, we'd, we'd look at something. I don't see us being that, but sadly, I don't see us breaking any further than fifth. And again, while. That's a decent result for us based on the last 27 years. You know, and that's, and I think that's the mindset you need to, you have, you have to sort of adjust. You know, we're not as big as we think we are anymore. We're still a big club. We have a massive history, but that history is going further and further into history. And it's not, there's nothing there to, you know, there's nothing there to sell a new player coming in. There's nothing, you know, look at us. We're, we're going to challenge for this. We're going to challenge for that. I, I said it before. You're not selling that to any players or any ambition to players. And I was Neil Devlin had a pop at them the last time, and, and, and I half agreed with him. But that was before we saw this, you know. And as I say, we played four halves of football. Three of them have been total and utter shite. The other have been brilliant, but we conceded two goals. What is different than Rogers? So uh, you know, we've got a lot of players missing as well. Omar, of course we do, but that, some of the that, first that can, teamers. That, that's to be expected throughout the course of the season. So what you're going to tell me, if we lose uh, key players, this is what we expect. That's not a team. That's not what Jurgen Klopp was brought here to do. Jurgen Klopp was brought here to strengthen us, to make us look stronger. And, you know, Neil made a great point, I think, pre-pod, about Leicester winning games 1-0 and winning the league with a lot of games 1-0. Arsenal used to do it years back. Like they were specialists at it. And that's because they had a defence and they built around their defence. Rafa Benitez, whenever he came in, revolutionised the defence in, 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 in Liverpool, built from the back and then, you know, added the, the people they needed and, and got the best out of Torres and Gerrard. So, you know, we had Alonso and Mascarano as well, to use the best midfield in the world there for a stage. But you, you know what I mean? It, his foundation stone when he started was the back, was the back four. And then he brought in all these players to, to, to supplement it. None of the recent managers that we've had even Kenny didn't, didn't do it. Nobody's really seemed to be taking the bull by the horns and saying, we need to build from the back, and that's what I'm worried about. It's great to win games 5-4, it's great for the adrenaline, it's horrible for the heart, but there's only so much of that you can go, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna go through a season accepting you're gonna concede two or more goals, I think it's 14 times nearly the stat was in 32 games that we've conceded two or more. Now we've won a lot of those games conceding two or more, but it's not, that's not what you want to see in, in, in the foundation stone of a team that, you know, oh, we can outscore anybody. That's highly entertaining, but not, not football that wins you titles. Yeah, it's not sustainable, really, is it? I mean, Cardi, I mean, Umara mentioned there, we do have a lot of players missing and, and Dave rightly said, you know, that, 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 that can happen. But it is, it is kind of the defensive spine and the new defensive spine almost that he's brought in to kind of, uh, to rectify those problems that Dave's talking about just, just now. Do you, do you think that with, with Karius, Matip, Sacco, Khan back in the team that we could become a more solid unit that we, we may start to then see defensive solidity take shape? Um, yeah, without a doubt. I think even, you know, we have a game tomorrow night and I think that's the perfect opportunity for some of the players who have been injured and haven't had much game time to start and play. I mean, some people might want tomorrow night uh, for a bunch of kids to be thrown out, but I think there's a potential for a strong squad to be played. And also there's a lot of people who have a lot of making up to do after their performances on Saturday. So, I mean, 
that could be the perfect opportunity to do it. I think, yeah, we mentioned before the pod that Sacco's now back in training and Carius looks like he might be back sooner than expected. So, you know, there's a lot of positives to take in the future. But, you know, Dave is right. We, we can't constantly be saying, oh, but we have players injured. We should have someone there in reserve to step up whenever we do have players injured. Although, like you've said, having said that, it is pretty much the whole spine. I mean, whether Carius will come in and take over from Mignolet most of the time, I don't know. Um, but Carly, but, again, can I interrupt you? I apologise. What has Carius done to, 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 have, to give you such faith? I, I, I've seen nothing of him. He's never played a league game. Why is, why is he suddenly going to be better? You know, he could be a, but we don't know. That's and, what and I was I, just saying. <laughs> and you interrupted him. I, I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. If, is he going to, you know, is he going to come back as soon as he's fit? Is Mignolet going to go straight in the bench? Is Carius coming straight in? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't watch... I don't watch any international football, so when we're signing these players coming in from different leagues, I literally don't know anything about them. I'm taking people's other people's views and opinions on board who, who watch these games week in, week out. So, I mean, I don't know what what extra really he's going to bring us, but I certainly know, you know, when Sacco comes back and obviously Chan perfect, uh, protecting the defence, that's a huge thing for me because Henderson just can't do that. Um, so Not I think that, that, that'll have an, a massive effect. But for Carries, I honestly don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, he's another young guy himself. So not only is he having to, well, I suppose he, you know, he's been in England before. So it's not, not like he has to adjust to a totally new country. He's been here before. He's played a bit in some of the leagues. So he knows what to expect to a certain extent. But the, the spine of our team is missing. Yeah. I think it's and, more and, Mignolet being shit than Carrius being any a, a sort yeah. of a superstar or anything like that. I think anything's an upgrade on Mignolet right now. Yeah, certainly. And and you know, Carrius has been bought with with a specific view to you know to being the number one and, and replacing um, Mignolet. Uh, so uh, let's just move it on, Carly, because you, you you bring up the the Burnley game tomorrow or Burnley the Burton game tomorrow. Got Burnley on the bloody brain now. <laughs> <laughs> But the Burton Burton game tomorrow, um, League Cup English, uh, what is it? English Football League Trophy or whatever it's called. No, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just the, the League Cup. I can't remember. But potential banana skin. You mentioned the possibility of a strong team there. Um, Umara, how do you how do you see that game going? How do you? I mean, uh, Burton have had a couple of promotions there in League One. They've had a couple of decent results, but then they were beaten by Blackburn, who who are ranked, uh, who are sort of uh, favourites to go down. There the weekend, fairly strong at home. Do you see us putting out a strong team after after uh, the weekend? There, do you think we, you know, Jurgen Klopp will be looking to go and just batter them and and put Burnley to bed? I think he said in his press conference today that he wasn't going to put out a weakened team and not make too many changes. So I'm, I'm hoping he's going to give some minutes to maybe players like Matip and Chan, as we've mentioned, who hasn't um, hasn't played a full match yet. So players like that to come in. I mean, I for, I'm not going to look at Burton. I'm just going to look purely from the Liverpool point of view. And yeah, I, it does worry me, especially after the Burnley match. You know, tomorrow could be a potential upset just based on our past history. But then, you know, you, you, you just got to be positive. They, you know, they are, we, we should be beating these teams, really, shouldn't we? Um, from the championship, at least. But um, it's something never really works out that way. But yeah, I mean, Liverpool always do worry me, especially so soon after a, a horrible result. So yeah, I'm just hoping that we can get through this one. It would be amazing if we could really have an excellent win. You know, keep a clean sheet, please. Thank you. Um, that would uh, give the guys at the back some confidence, albeit against championship side. But, you know, whatever, we'll take what we can right now. Conceded five goals in what a ga- um, game and a half. So uh, a clean sheet against anyone would be a good good thing at the moment. So, yeah, score some good goals. Hopefully Mane will be back um, to help out the attack as well. And we won't concede some, any sloppy goals. I mean, <laughs> is it too much to ask? We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> We'll have to see, we'll have to see. I mean, uh, yeah, we don't have to Slightly shitting myself, though, I have to admit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's certainly the potential for an upset, that there's no doubt. I mean, Dave, how do you see that one? Do you think strong team go and look to put them to bed, or are you kind of sitting uneasily in your in your chair there? No, I'll tell you what. It's like, I'm terrified, because if you have to put out Manny and those boys to beat Burton Albion, as a, as a Liverpool team, Jesus Christ, it, it, it rubber stamps and vindicates everything that I've said. You know what I mean? <laughs> because, like, honestly, our kids should be able to, the quality that we have, we should be able to beat them with kids. 
we really should. Liverpool Football Club, the Liverpool Football Club in our imagination should be... I don't think he's going to risk it so soon after the shit on the weekend, just in case, God forbid, if we get knocked out, it's just going to be like 10 times worse than it was on Saturday. And and if you're the Burton manager, what do you do? You just sit them down in front of that debacle from the weekend Mm. and go, guys, there you go, eight at the back, don't let them through, we'll go back to Anfield and get a payday. Yeah. Seriously, that'll probably be the game plan of it. You, you know that straight away. It'll be for them not to concede first and foremost, and it's up to us to break them down. We are not good at that. Um, we have never been good at that for years. And I can see this one coming back to Anfield. Sadly, I can see, regardless of who plays, I can see this one coming back to Anfield. Okay. So, I mean, personally, I mean, I've, you know, like the rest of you, I've been a fan for a long, long time, and I've seen many, many, uh, a League Cup or an FA Cup tie, which should have been put to bed in the away round, coming back to Anfield, and, you know, generally you get through, so as far as I'm concerned, I, you know, I don't want to draw, but I, I would take it, I would settle for just not getting put out tomorrow, so, I mean, Carly, how do you see it? We're going to win 3-1. We're going to win 3-1. <laughs> Can't we have a clean sheet? We're going to win 21-22 on penalties at Anfield. (laughs) You have to be positive for fuck's sake. I mean, even if they do do try their best to wipe wipe all the positivity out of you, you have to be positive. You have to go into the game thinking you're going to win it. Um, Hopefully Klopp will have learned from last season that, you know, sometimes these games against the lower leagues and the Cups can be slippery and hard. So, um, but like I said, I would like to see a strong team out. I know, Dave said, you know, if we put out a team of kids from Liverpool, they should beat them. But for me, there's a lot of players in that team right now that need need game time, and this is a perfect opportunity for me. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are there are people coming back from injury, and there are kids, and and the kids, um, you know, they're just proud in preseason. So you never know; you might see one or two in. Although a lot of the um, sort of more high profile ones ended up have ended up going out on loan. So I mean. Um, we do have a special pod on Copcast covering the Burnley game that that should be being recorded on on Wednesday evening. So make sure you listen out for that. As far as this pod goes on on Burnley, I think we've just about covered it. Unless any of you have anything else you'd like to add before we close up? Nope. I, lo- I love <laughs> Liverpool, really. You know. <laughs> well, we all do, but I mean, they put us through the fucking ringer, like, don't they? I mean, let, let's be honest. Let's be honest. So just uh, remains with then to, to thank you all. Thanks very much. As ever, you've been fantastic guests. It's uh, Dave Karen, Carly Murray and Umar Anaz, and we've been Copcast. So uh, do any of you have anything you'd like to plug at the moment? We've just plugged the, the uh, post-Burton pod, which is going to come out in a couple of days. But Dave, anything else going on? Oh, Cop Table's just being recorded at the same time as us. I'll have these two out tonight. Um, we just released a tactics pod on WFI with Stevie Grieve. If you haven't been following that series, please give it a look. It's really, really good. Uh, worldfootballindex.com or just follow us on Twitter at worldfootballi. Um, as I say, there's loads of new shows coming out there. If you're not listening to WFI, why not? Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> We've got some really, really good guests on there at the minute and some really good shows. So if you haven't been listening, give us a shout. Absolutely. If you love your football of any persuasion, you don't have to be a Liverpool fan at all to be on that side. I mean, that's a, that's a, it's a great, great content on there. Okay. Excellent. And, uh, Carly, what about you? Any, anything else on the horizon at the moment? Nope. Nothing. Where can we follow you then on Twitter? At Mrs. Agar05. Excellent, excellent stuff. And Umara, what about you? Um, I believe you wrote something today, and uh, where can people follow you on Twitter? Um, no, I wrote something yesterday. I've been shamelessly plugging it on Twitter, um, and I want to shamelessly plug it here as well. Go for it. <laughs> so you can read my article on Copleft. It's just about um, the fallout after after Saturday's game and how we there just should just stay positive. Absolutely. I mean, positivity is the key. We, I'll we read do... it later, Ums. <laughs> you might don't need to read Dave. it twice. You might need to read it twice. <laughs> I don't, even if you read it five times, it probably wouldn't register. Yeah, but, Just I mean, plug it for me, Dave. <laughs> I, I have I've retweeted it lots. Read Can the article. It? Let's be do positive. It, do it again. Read it again. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I believe, and I'd like to finish on saying, you know, we are all very, very down after this result, but, I mean, Nothing is lost on the second game of the season, especially if you've won your first. So it's not over by a long shot, but we need to improve. You can follow me at Neil1980 on Twitter. You can catch me on Copcast on Cop Cop Left. And you can catch me on the Anfield Index Writers Pod as well. This has been Copcast Episode 8, and we'll see you again.